can you relate to them? Are you developing a genuine relationship with them? You know, I've seen, you know, firsthand on both sides, um, coaches who are actively recruiting some of these kids. And if you can't build that relationship, if you can't, you know, talk to them, or if they feel like they can't talk to you about anything, you know, I, I think that's kind of a detriment to the whole recruiting process on, on that aspect. Um, just being able to be yourself, be genuine um, at all times, because the kids are going to know. You know, you these are 16, 17, 18 year old kids. They're they're going to know if you're not being genuine, if you're if you're being fake or whatever it is. And you know, if you're different from the time that you're recruiting these kids to the time that they step on campus, I mean, that's huge because kids talk at all levels, whether it's eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth, like they'll you know they talk. So I think that's one of the most crucial parts of just being able to build a relationship with kids and be genuine. What is going on, everyone? This is your host, Alex Brown, and you're listening to Up Close in Personnel. As always, thank you for your time, and don't forget to hit subscribe, rate the show, and share it with anybody you know, because our focus here is educating and empowering those involved in the recruiting and the evaluation process, from players to parents to coaches, recruiters, and the like. We've covered a bunch of topics through 11 episodes, but this one is the first in-depth breakdown of the mindset recruiters have to have when it comes to delivering the best on-campus visit possible. This week's episode, I was joined by Georgia Tech's Director of On-Campus Recruiting, Karina Hargraves. Truly someone that embodies the phrase football lifer, Karina has carved her path to being Director at Georgia Tech through a ton of incredible experiences ranging from the University of Florida, where she earned both an undergrad and graduate degree, worked in college football recruiting, and cheered competitively for the University of Florida. She also worked at the University of South Carolina and simply lives in what anybody would describe as a football family. Her dad, Vernon Hargraves, is a D-line coach at Howard currently, but has been coaching ball at the D1 level since 1985, going from UConn to Miami to FIU, ECU, USF, UH, Arkansas, Missouri, and now Howard, he's been everywhere. Meanwhile, her brother Vernon is in the NFL playing cornerback for the Houston Texans. They went to Florida together where he developed into a first round pick for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Karina's approach is really innovative and there's just so much to unpack in this episode as she brings a ton of insight to the forefront and really just distills her knowledge of recruiting at the highest level. So with that all being said, I think it's now time to introduce this week's guest, Karina Hargraves. Just hit a button, Morty. Give me a beat. Oh, man. Okay. All right. Um. Karina, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, I know this is a different time for all of us and you've kind of transitioned into being a off-campus recruiting coordinator with the virtual visits. So how's how's life in recruiting for Georgia Tech right now? Um, obviously, it's different just like us for, for everyone, um, especially with what I do. You know, my job is, requires me really to be kind of hands-on, kind of be at the forefront of recruiting, whether that's 
you know, making name tags, forms, um, personally showing prospects and their families around campus and through our facility. Um, but with everything being so virtual now, you know, I've really had to take a step back a little bit. So, you know, instead of me kind of doing all those things, I'm, you know, setting up Zoom calls, making sure our coaches have links, making sure, you know, someone's mic isn't muted, um, you know, things like that. So it's definitely very different from, you know, what we, what we would normally be doing around this time. Yeah. And I'm sure just knowing the different people that are really involved on the on-campus side across college football, you probably got a bunch of relationships with people on campus that, you know, you're not able to see, you know, the people at the student center, the people, you know, in different education, you know, programs. So how has that been? Have you been able to like stay in touch with those people? Absolutely. Um, so even though we are, you know, doing Zoom calls or whatever it is, you know, we still want to create that normal visit experience. So, you know, we're still, especially with the new rules that just passed me a couple of weeks ago, we're still, you know, talking academics. Um, whether we need, you know, to get professors or whether we need to get, you know, certain people on campus that we think would be beneficial to talk to some of these kids and these families, you know, we're still cultivating those relationships that I've been lucky enough to, you know, kind of develop over the last year and a half that I've been at Tech. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. And I know you're, you're back where you would call home. You're, you're, we'll talk about the football life you've lived and everywhere you've been. But I know Florida has kind of got a, a, a soft spot in your heart. You know, obviously went to school there. But uh, the, the town formerly known as Tampa Bay, how is, uh, is, are the radio waves just constantly just like Rob Gronkowski and, and Tom Brady? Is it just nonstop? Oh, my gosh. Like, it's insane. And especially since there's, there's always been coverage, you know, with Tom Brady. There's always coverage with Gronk. So them now being in Tampa, I mean, that, that's all you hear. You know, Tom Brady's having a workout in so-and-so park. Um, he's doing X, Y, Z, looking for a house. He lives in Derek Jeter's old house, like all these things. You know, it's, it's kind of crazy, especially me personally, you know, my brother doesn't play for the Bucks anymore, so I would have been a little more invested in it, but now it's still constant Tom and Gronk. And honestly, like I'm, kind of excited to see what they do this year yeah yeah they're they're probably the they're one of the first two or three teams that people want to want to see because in terms of like the receivers they have it's ridiculous because they already had one of the best receiving tandems in the you know in the nfl but uh we digress i really am excited to have you on the show so thank you for giving us some time um you know we talked a little bit off air uh you know last uh we talked on sunday and, you know, the thing that that was interesting to hear you talk about Coach Collins is how innovative he is and how he's constantly like pushing and, and trying to find new ways to to reach these kids and, and really to sell the great program that you guys are running. But I wanted to ask you, because you've been in the, the business for so long, you've been around the game for so long. Who are some of the you know, what makes somebody a good recruiter? And in and, and your eyes, what are those traits? Well, I think first and foremost, it's going to be how well you build, you can build a relationship with these kids. You know, it's, can you relate to them? Are you developing a genuine relationship with them? You know, I've seen, you know, firsthand on both sides, um, coaches who are actively recruiting some of these kids and, 
if you can't build that relationship, if you can't, you know, talk to them, or if they feel like they can't talk to you about anything, you know, I, I think that's kind of a detriment to the whole recruiting process on, on that aspect. Um, just being able to be yourself, be genuine um, at all times, because the kids are going to know, you know, you, these are 16, 17, 18 year old kids. They're, they're going to know if you're not being genuine, if you're, you know, being fake or whatever it is. And, you know, if you're different from the time that you're recruiting these kids to the time that they step on campus, I mean, that's huge because kids talk at all levels, whether it's eighth, ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th, like they'll, you know, they talk. So I think that's one of the most crucial parts of just being able to build a relationship with kids and be genuine. And to piggyback off of that with how kids talk, have you guys had a lot of success with group recruiting? Because I know that recruiting Atlanta is a, a big deal. You y'all have started to really dive into Texas, but Georgia Tech has a national brand. So I'm, I'm curious to know if some of your approach has been to figure out which kids are connected to who and trying to group recruit. No doubt. Um, even if you look at this past um, 2020 class, um, we signed two kids um, right out of, that, out of the Atlanta area, um, Tyson Miguez and Katavian Franks. You know, best friends going up in high school, teammates playing on the same side of the ball, same position. So, you know, we were able to get Tyson. He committed um, probably, I think, April of 2019. And, you know, Katavian's always been on our radar. So once we got further and further into the recruiting process, we kind of started picking up some steam. And, you know, we'd be remiss if we didn't, you know, utilize Tyson, you know, to help us with Katavian. So I think that's super crucial because Katavian already knew about us. You know, he'd been around the facility numerous times. Him and Tyson are great friends. So it, it was nothing new, but hearing it, I think, from a friend who is going to tell you the truth, he's going to shoot you straight, really hearing it from someone who you trust, knowing this is real, this is true, you know, I think that's huge. And are we using it moving forward? Of course. I mean, I think that's the best way to go. You know, again, these kids, they're, they're all going through the same thing and they're all going to talk about the places they've been, the people they met, things like that. So, I mean, I think utilizing those strategies are super useful. Yeah. If you're not paying attention to what these recruits are liking and who they're following and who they're replying to and what offers they're retweeting, you're really, really missing the boat because it's just, two, three, you know, degrees of separation. It's not six degrees of separation. I mean, everybody is just so connected. It's so different. And it's, it's great for us. It makes our jobs a little easier, mm -hmm. to be honest. Who would you say is the best recruiter you've seen or been around and why? And like I said the other day, you can't use your dad as a cop out, uh, but you can, you can answer with anybody. There's no wrong answer. I'm curious to hear who you, who you want to talk about. Well, I'd be, you know, completely in the wrong if I didn't say my dad first and foremost. <laughs> um, Good job. Good job. So I'll get some uh, points with him on that. But um, really just watching him and especially now being home, you know, we're both working every day and just listening, kind of hearing how he's recruiting, you know, really talking to mom, dad, auntie, brother in the prospect, you know, talking to really anyone. I feel like he can talk to a brick wall, you know, so him being able to be able to talk to people, being able to relate to people, because 
again, he, he has a son who went through this same exact process. So be able to re relate to them on that level as well. I mean, that's invaluable. Um, but other than my dad, of course, I mean, I've been lucky enough to be around some great programs um, coming up. Um, from my time at Florida, I mean, I'd say Travaris Robinson, uh, Coach T-Rob, um, he has been incredible. Um, from we were at Florida signing all of those top defensive players, um, especially on the DB stance. So you have so many guys that coming from wherever they're coming from and be able to excel and succeed at that next level, that's huge. Um, I mean, I would also say between, Florida, between me being at Florida and me being at South Carolina for a few years, there are tons of great recruiters on that staff as well. Um, of, co of course, Coach Muschamp, you know, that's all he does is recruit. So um, he's been able to pull through some really good classes in the, time, in the years that he's been there. And even at Georgia Tech right now, I mean, I, we recruit at such a high level here, you know, it's hard to pinpoint one person. Um, I'll say Coach Chris Wiesahan, you know, he's one of the most detail-oriented people that I've ever worked with, you know, just pages of notes, you know, he's very meticulous in how he does his recruiting, um, always has a plan, he always knows what he's doing, who he's going to see, and it makes it easier on us on the recruiting side to, you know, to input these notes, you know, get this crucial information that we need on the recruiting end. Um, I mean, I can't speak highly enough about the guys that, we, that I work with recruiting wise. And of course, Coach Collins, who is just one of the most innovative coaches I've ever been around. You know, recruiting is at the forefront, you know, in his program. So being able to not only watch him recruit, but kind of learn from him as well. I mean, just so many good recruiters I've been around. Yeah, and, and it's it's interesting that uh, you brought up T Rob because that's exactly who Matt Lindsay brought up a couple episodes ago. So, who uh, I might, I might be a little biased on that too, though. <laughs> that's that's fair. That's fair for you specifically. I know you talk and you love to build those relationships with the parents, and the families, and the recruits themselves. Because let's face it, like, everything that you said about your dad applies to you to a whole different level because you've seen the coaching side of it and you've seen your brother's side of it and you've been in the trenches like you were there when your brother went through that process of being a college football athlete what would you say are the biggest influences on how you approach recruiting and and how you communicate to prospects because obviously going back to your first answer of being genuine you got to be yourself so uh does it start there with you like what what were your influences as far as how you've kind of carved your voice out i think for me just especially coming up just as a student assistant, just kind of watching, you know, the people who have done this longer than I have, um, you know, seeing their processes and seeing, you know, how they kind of approach recruiting. Because again, not every kid is the same. Um, some kids, they, they love, you know, text messages and phone calls and things like that. But other kids, they're a little more low key. They don't, you know, want all the glitz and the glamour. They don't want the clout on Twitter. They don't want any of that. So for me, it's, I guess, kind of figuring out who the kid is first and then kind of going from there. Because my influence wise, I don't, it, it's hard for, for me to say influence wise, I guess, just because 
I've had so I've had a lot of different um, I've had a lot of different supervisors, if you will, um, when I was coming up. So they all had their own particular style. So some were very much hands-on. Um, some were in the trenches. Some were not as involved. And I always want to do. I always want to be in a mix of those. I don't want to be overbearing, but I also don't want to be in the background because I do think especially working with parents, you know, having a woman figure is super important. And for me in particular, um, I'm one of the very few women in the football office at Tech, so um, I don't take that lightly. So just being able to kind of take everything that I've learned from my mentors and people who I've learned from over the past couple of years, um, being able to kind of apply those, um, apply those principles and those ideals into kind of what I'm doing right now. I think those are probably my biggest influences. Yeah. And it sounds like you really, you enjoy paying attention to how people, you, you talked about inputting notes. Um, I'm, I'm addicted to using my notes on my phone. Uh, sometimes I'll be on notes on my phone for like an hour and a half in a given day. Cause you know, I might be on a run or I might be on a jog or I might be at the store and you get something that comes through and I have to type it down. Um, but I've got just binders and binders of notes from, even back when I was at UH, what is your process for tracking these conversations? Because the, the thing that's helped me take, you know, being on notes on my phone and, and having a ton of binders, I finally transitioned to using OneNote and it's been amazing for me, but I'm still kind of like in the process of making that a habit because obviously it's, it's very easy to just grab a piece of paper and sometimes you just have to, but how, how do you guys kind of organize your notes as far as the information that you get? Because every single phone call is, you know, an opportunity to gather information that can help you recruit a kid. So we're really big on like the recruiting databases we use, whether that's Exos, whether that's FrontRush or whatever people use. So for us, it's Exos and, you know, any piece of information that we get, whether it's, you know, their height and weight, whether it's mom's name, um, what does the dad do? Um, where does the younger sister go to school? Um, anything like that, we you know, immediately put that you know, into our recruiting database. So that way it's really a one-stop shop with all the information you need. Um, now, do I have 18 million notes on my phone about all of our prospects? Yes, I do. But I try to kind of condense that into a more concise, um, notes that I can organize a little bit better. So that way it's easy, not only for myself to look for and read, but for anybody else who's looking at it as well. Because the last thing I want is for me to put a ton of stuff into Exos and none of it makes sense. So, and then that coach is asking me, what does this mean? You know, what is that, whatever. So trying to at least organize my notes, whether that's on my phone, if it's a scrap piece of paper, whatever it is, putting it in one place I think organized on Exos is huge for us. What is your process for learning and growing? Because this is such a changing field and you're in the middle of it. Um, how do you get better? Really, you know, it's talking to people. Um, I've never been someone where I can just read it and do it or watch it and do it or anything like that. I always, you know, I'm talking to people. I'm, I learn by doing it, I guess. So unfortunately for me, it's sometimes it's a little bit of trial and error, but me at least 
looking, seeing how other people do it. Um, the kind of how I came up in this business with me coming from a student, being a student assistant at Florida, um, kind of elevating a little bit on that end into the intern status. Um, and even when I was at South Carolina, um, my learning process there really was just kind of watching and seeing how we did it there. Um, so, I mean, I'm lucky enough to still be really good friends with the director of on-campus recruiting at South Carolina, uh, Jessica Jackson. I mean, we still talk every single day. Um, and it can be something along the lines of, you know, just what are you doing today? Or is it, or it's, you know, I'm trying to work through this official visit. What are some of the things that you do or have done? Because again, I haven't been there in however long, but we do, she has such a specific way of doing things. And it's not even just her. I can talk to numerous other people who are in my role, you know, just kind of talking through things like, how are you guys, you know, doing this, just learning people's processes and learning, you know, because there's never one right way to do anything. You know, you can do it a ton of different ways and still have the same outcome. So for me, it's really talking to people. It's, you know, learning from them. And then the best way I learn is actually doing it. And, you know, most of the time, great idea, it works. And then the times that it doesn't, it fails. You know what, I learn even more from that. So I think that's really my way of learning and growing and trying to really just get better every single day and especially in this climate that we're in you know we had to learn very quickly you know with learning how to do zooms learning how to use microsoft teams um how do we get numerous people on a call how do i kick people off a call you know just being able to learn and adapt like that kind of on the fly yeah. um, i think it's for what we do I think that's super important because our business is always changing. Uh, whether it's you know the way it's the way we're recruiting, the way we're reaching out to these kids, because um, it's not how today how we're recruiting today isn't how it was in 2015. It's not how it was in 2010. So really being able to learn and grow that way, you know, I think for me it's really just doing it. It's learning from other people. I think everybody in the recruiting world, as soon as it got shut down in March, called their five closest friends in the business and said, hey, what are you doing? And, and that's so true, what you just said, that what got you to this level will not get you to the next level. And that is always going to be the case in an evolving world, especially in recruiting. So no, that's, that's great stuff. From a reading, listening, and watching standpoint, what have you been into during this whole COVID time period? So reading wise, um, typically I read a lot of like mystery novels and crime novels and things like that. Um, just, I never have a lot of time to read anymore. I'm usually reading on a plane, <laughs> but yeah. um, right now um, I'm in the middle of reading uh, the program. Um, by Eric Capitulic. So he is actually the founder of the actual organization, the program. Um, and he goes around um, with his team and just does a lot of team building, leadership clinics and things like that. So he came to Tech um, sometime in March, I think it was February and March, um, went through a whole workout with our team, with team building, leadership, communication, all those kinds of things. And I was lucky enough to be able to, be able to 
snag one of his books and just reading through that that's very applicable to life um, whether it's you know it's talking about how you you know work with your team if you're a supervisor how do you um, how do you work with the people who work for you you know th things like that that i can apply not only in work um, but in life as well um, let's see listening wise trying to get more into podcasts um, so i found um, one again kind of going back to the whole murder mystery theme um, called crime junkie oh my gosh so, so as soon as you said <laughs> no, no 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 as soon as you said that you're into mystery novels i'm thinking like hey like Yep, she's just like Brittany. My wife is like, it, it has to do with anybody getting kidnapped or taken <laughs> or solving a murder. So really? So, no, yeah. So like anytime we're driving to like Target, she's pulling up that podcast. So I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but. Oh, no, no, you're pleased. You're good. That's awesome. Um, it's funny. When I was um, just starting out in college, I actually wanted to be a forensic scientist. I wanted to go into criminology and that kind of stuff. I loved the law and order. I loved um, the CSIs of the world. And then once I started taking some of those chem classes, I was like, mm, this might not be for me. <laughs> so I quickly changed my major, but you know, I've always, you know, been interested in those kinds of things. So huge in the James Patterson novels. I mean, I've read numerous um, lines of his work and then listening again, um, starting Crime Junkie, awesome podcast. I can listen to that all day. Yeah. Um, and then watching, I've kind of burned through a lot of Netflix shows recently, um, but I just started Queen of the South a couple of days ago. Okay. And wow, it's basically, um, it's drug cartels. It's one woman who slowly but surely kind of works her way up um, in, the drug, in the drug cartel world. So it's super interesting, but always looking for something new to watch on Netflix. I'm at, at one time, I'm usually watching between two or three different shows. So I got recommended a book called Range by Yogi Roth back on episode six. And it's more or less about the, the differences between the Tiger Woods development versus like Roger Federer, where Roger Federer was like really exposed to everything. And he was kind of the multi, multi-sport kid, whereas Tiger was one sport, super specialized his entire life. And I'm just now getting into it, but it's interesting because the, the book talks about the people that have range, so a breadth of experiences, they can adapt well to environments that they call them like wicked environments. So they're not predictable situations because when you're playing chess, you're playing golf, you know, those are repeatable instances and you see the same patterns over and over again. So it, it may come across as if, you know, you're this super genius when it comes to chess, but it's because you've seen those patterns over and over again. So you're just chunking the patterns. Whereas somebody in recruiting has to deal with a whole range of spectrum, right? Like you said, every kid's different. How has getting into murder mysteries, you know, crime junkie, you know, different, different things like that, as far as doing the homework and really researching and digging deep past like the surface level, has that helped when it comes to like really getting the background and, and learning about who these kids are and what motivates them? Oh, no doubt. Um, whether it's, you know, I'm looking on their Twitters, whether that's going through someone's likes, whether that's talking to the high school coaches, you know, talking to whoever you need to talk to to really 
know who this kid is. Um, just trying to figure out their background, you know, where they come from, what's the home situation like, getting all of those answers really to kind of get a more holistic view of the kid that you're recruiting. Because the last thing you want to do is say something to a kid and he looks at you like, what did you just say? You know, like one of those kind of things. So really, and almost even thinking outside of the box too, um, thinking of ways that how, how else can I reach this kid? You know, I know so much about him, but maybe he's not very talkative. Maybe he's not, you know, the most outgoing. So what else can I do? What else, you know, who else do I need to talk to? Who else, what, else, what other homework do I need to do to really reach this kid? Because again, every kid is different. You have those kids who are super outgoing. They will tell you everything under the sun. They'll tell you what their favorite color is. They'll tell you what your favorite wing flavor is. But you have some kids who very yes, ma'am, no, sir, you know, they won't really tell you anything. So I think really just looking outside the box and seeing other alternatives that you might not have thought of before when you're, you know, kind of getting to know some of these kids. I mean, that's super huge. Yeah. And not just repeating a fact that you know about them, but taking that fact and the other things and saying, okay, maybe I can draw this conclusion and then approach it from an angle of, hey, are you into this? And then you can now start a whole different kind of conversation. So this is awesome stuff. Really, really think that like our listeners are going to learn a lot from, from you on this show. And it, I think it starts with your dad and kind of, you know, growing up, what was it like? You know, I, I think the longest time he was at one place was Yukon, but the longest place you had been, you told me was Miami. So yes. what was it like growing up with your dad entrenched in college football? It's funny as a six, seven, eight-year-old girl, you're not too super focused on football. You're worried about a bunch of other things. And especially in those years when I'm 10, 11, 12, um, just growing up, I just, I didn't see my dad a lot. Um, the way that um, where the University of Miami is, it's in obviously Coral Gables, but we lived in Kendall. So depending on what time you left, how the traffic was looking, that can either take 30 minutes to get there or that can take an hour and a half, just depends. So there were a lot of weeks where I only saw my dad on Thursdays and maybe, maybe Saturday, depending on what time the game was. Um, unfortunately, I wasn't I wasn't old enough to really appreciate those Miami years when they were super were really good, um, especially the, the national championship. So they won that the 2001 season. I was nine, I think. So I knew we won. That was great. Awesome. But when can I go hang out with my friends? Can I go to cheerleading practice or, you know, whatever I'm doing? It wasn't until we got to East Carolina. So this is when I'm in 10th grade. And again, being a moody teenager, me having to move in the middle of high school, that, that didn't sit too well with me. And I made my parents know that, you know, I'm not happy removing, you know, this, whatever. So it wasn't until I got, we got to East Carolina where I actually started to understand it a little bit better. Um, being able to actually, to go to games, you know, I didn't really go to a lot of the Miami games when I was younger. It was super really hot. I didn't feel like sitting somewhere for three hours. But once we got to ECU, going to the games, really getting to know a lot of the other coaches, um, knowing the players a little bit more, really kind of understanding the football aspect of it. 
because I always knew like there's some nights where, oh, great, mom and dad are home, but they have to go to recruiting dinner. Well, what's a recruiting dinner? I don't know what that means. Who are you recruiting? So me as a young teenager, I didn't quite get it at the time. But as I got older, especially when I started looking at colleges myself, um, I really started to understand the recruiting and the football dynamic of it. Um, and of course, that, that had to play a role in my decision to go to Florida. So I always knew that I wanted to go to school down in the state of Florida. Um, where I wasn't sure yet, um, but it, at the time, it didn't hurt that Florida had just won the 2006 and the 2008 national championship. So I had, I had my mindset, I'm gonna go back to the state of Florida. And it was pretty easy from there to kind of figure out where I wanted to go after that because I didn't want to go to Miami because my dad got let go there. Didn't want to go to Florida State because even though my dad got let go from Miami, I still didn't like them. So I'm like, well, process of elimination, we're going to go to Florida. So <laughs> I promise I'm not as gung-ho on that like anymore, I promise. But, um, but did, did that have anything to do with... Uh with your brother's decision? Was it the same thought process? No, absolutely not. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little bit more emotional than he is. Got it. <laughs> but um, so once I kind of made that decision, luckily I got in, so it was great. And it was really a perfect storm because we had just, my dad had just accepted the job um, at USF in Tampa. So we were gonna move back to Florida anyways. So like, this is, I mean, this couldn't have worked out any better. So my dad went down to Tampa in like that January, beginning of 2010. Um, and then I was able to go down like during my spring break or whatever and real and came down to Tampa, saw Tampa. And we took a drive up to Gainesville, um, got to tour the campus and all of that. So, I mean, it all really worked out. And then after that, I mean, we all made the move down from Greenville, North Carolina to Tampa, Florida. Um, and we've been in Tampa ever since. Um, my dad's had a couple different jobs since USF, um, but Tampa's always been home base. Nice. And then, so you, you cheered competitively for Florida while you, you know, realized you didn't want to be a, you know, in, in criminology and in forensic sciences, but what, what, uh, what got you into recruiting? And I guess before what got you into recruiting, how was how was cheering and, and doing that competitively at Florida? It was so much fun. Um, I've met some of my best friends through cheerleading. Um, I cheered through high school. Um, we did both, of course, like the sideline cheerleading for football and basketball games. And then we went um, in competition mode um, starting in January. So I did that for three years in high school. And then I knew I wanted to continue doing it in college. So looked up the competitive team, found out when tryouts were, and I did that for um, three years. So my freshman, sophomore, and junior year of college. Um, my senior year, I knew I needed to get a little more focused on what I wanted to do long-term. I didn't necessarily want to devote all of my time to shooting because as much as I loved it, I knew I, at that point, I knew I wanted to work in football. And that would have been me putting in more hours. That's me, you know, working more official visits or whatever it was. So I kind of transitioned into like a volunteer coach my senior year. 
Um, so I still got my cheerleading fix, but I was also able to do a little bit more um, with football. So what was it about that freshman, sophomore, junior years of kind of dipping your toes into the really being involved, you know, on the ground level of actually working college football? What was it about that that made you decide, like you said, I knew that I wanted to work in football? I think just the day to day, you know, just being being around the people I was around, you know, it's the office was always bustling. There's always something going on. And for me, I, I hate being bored. I hate just kind of sitting around. You know, I always want to do something. So being able to not only be hands on in in the recruiting world, but also be able, being around something that I love. You know, I, I've grown up in this business. I, I can't see myself doing anything outside of sports, really. So whether I'm a, you know, a young student assistant in, whether it's me just putting labels on an envelope, um, I'm stuffing envelopes, you know, whatever it is, really kind of elevating in the office, do, getting a little more responsibility, you know, and really enjoying what I was doing. Because yeah, am I stuffing envelopes for hours on end? Are my fingers bleeding? Yes. But am I, you know, enjoying the process? Am I enjoying being around the coaches? Am I enjoying, you know, just watching the recruiting process unfold? Absolutely. So I think somewhere between my junior and senior years, I, I kind of decided, hey, you know what, this is, this is what I want to do. And then after I kind of established that, I knew I needed more experience. You know, I was getting, you know, great experience as an undergrad. Um, my senior year, just with my grad, with my, um, my undergrad program, I needed a full-time internship. So I was lucky enough to be able to intern on the operations side at Florida football. So I definitely got a different um, view um, in, in the football office as opposed to just recruiting. I got to see the ops side as well, which was super helpful. Um, but again, that also made me realize maybe I do want to stick in recruiting. So graduated, started to think about grad school. Um, I ended up staying at Florida. Um, was it my first choice? Not necessarily. In my mind, I wanted to go somewhere else, wherever that may be, um, just to be around another staff, you know, see how yeah. another program does things because you can really get in a rut doing the same thing, you know, over and over again, and just thinking that's the one way to do things when it's yes. really not. So in my mind, I wanted to go somewhere else just to, you know, get that new experience, you know, see how, you know, another big time organization runs their recruiting office, be around new faces and networking, which it's, it's huge in our business. So really just being able to have a new set of contacts in that as well. You know, the cards, you know, they kind of fell how they did at Florida. Um, and the new head coach in the 2015 season brought in new staff, new personnel, new everything. So I was able to, my last year of grad school, I was able to, you know, really learn from a new coaching staff. Um, and really, truly, that's where I had the most on-hand experience. So my supervisor at the time, uh, her name is Deidre Church. Um, unfortunately, I don't think she's in sports right now anymore, but she was definitely instrumental in me. You know, she let me take, 
you know, that leap of faith. She gave me more things to do. She gave me that extra responsibility. So whether that's, you know, securing SUVs for official visits, whether that's, you know, um, I don't know, making reservations for an official visit lunch, whether that's, you know, being in charge of the rest of the student assistants. Because at that time, I mean, I'd been there, I'd been there probably the longest um, between me and my, myself and um, another person in the office. We'd kind of been there the longest on the recruiting side of it. So whether that's me kind of organizing the rest of the recruiting assistants, um, delegating responsibilities, which was huge. Me being able to learn that at that age was huge. Um, just being able to work with people, being able to listen to people, being able to, if someone had a problem, they can, they can come to me because my boss enabled me. She gave me a little bit um, more responsibility to be able to talk to people and things like that. So really with that new staff, I was really able to kind of learn a lot more than I had before. And again, that might be because I was older or what have you. Um, but definitely that point, you know, that was when I'm like, okay, I think I can do this. I have my experience or I have a, not all this experience, but, you know, I, I have a little bit more than I did before from what I started with. Um, I learned a lot. I learned just the ins and outs of how to plan, you know, how to be organized. You know, you can never be too organized. Um, so after that, you know, I graduated and again, I was lucky enough to be able to be part of Coach Muschamp's first staff at South Carolina where I was for um, three years. And even when I was there, um, I wasn't necessarily working in recruiting. Um, I was an administrative assistant. So while I did do the administrative stuff that I had to do, you know, just those first couple years as a, as a support staff, we were all super close and we're still pretty close to this day. So it, it wasn't too much for me, at least to be able to help with the official visits. It's not too much for me to be able to help with the junior days. It wasn't, you know, too much for me to help on the operation side um, if help needed, if they needed help over there. So really those three years that I was at Carolina, I wasn't as, you know, involved in recruiting as I am right now, obviously, but being able to, again, learn and see how, how, how they're doing it on this new staff. Um, I think that, that was, I mean, that, that helped me definitely get to where I am today. And talk about adding value beyond your job description, because it's so easy to get caught up in our own little world. And it's easy for me to do that. It's easy for me to say, no, I have to, you know, have these, these kids I need to talk to, or I have these recruits that I need to watch game film on. No, like sometimes the most important thing is to, you know, be a good teammate and make sure that, hey, our DFO is ready to roll when we're bringing these kids on campus or making sure that, you know, we've done everything we need to do from an onboarding standpoint, even though that may not be, you know, in the case of a director of recruiting at a power five school, maybe that's not your primary objective, but at the end of the day, you're going to learn so much and be able to add more value by working beyond your job description. Once you've, once you've done your job. Right. And I, I exactly. just, just hearing you talk through, you know, you, you said administrative assistant, but you're going out of your way to help out and, you know, boost the program. So just talk about 
I guess, advice for people that are maybe not in the role that they want to be in, but they at least have a vision or a dream of what they want to do. How can you go about doing that the right way without one ruffling feathers, but two, like building trust within your, your organization? I would say first and foremost, be where your feet are, you know, whatever your role is, do that role to perfection or near perfection. And then once you've mastered that, you're able to dip your toe in, in numerous other things, whether that's recruiting, whether that's um, operations, whether that's, you know, helping um, the head coach's assistant with something, you know, I, I tried not to say no to anything. So my day to day, you know, I'm not only doing those administrative tasks where I'm, you know, ordering supplies, um, I'm, you know, troubleshooting the copy or, or whatever it is. Um, I also wanted to make sure not only am I doing those things, because I wasn't just doing that, you know, I also did um, um, the other main part of my job was also doing the coaches travel. So when coaches go on the road, I'm doing, well, I'm helping them with their flights, their cars, their hotels. So, I mean, I'm on call 24 seven while the coaches are on the road. So during those busy seasons, I might not have been able to, you know, help as much with recruiting or whatever else, but that's okay. Cause that's, that, that was my job at that point in time. I'm making sure these coaches are good on the road. I'm making sure they have their flight reservations. They're checked in on their flight. They have their car reservations, all of those kinds of things. And after I'm, after all of that's all good and squared away, okay, cool. Then I can help, you know, Jessica Jackson, do you need help with official visits? I can ask our DFO who's Robbie Wiles at the time. Hey, can I help you with, you know, getting the guys ready to get on the away trip, even helping, you know, George Wynn, who's actually a DFO right now at South Carolina. Hey, is there anything that I can do for you? So it's really taking care of what you're doing first, because that's what people are going to remember. They're going to, they're going to remember you as, you know what, she did a great job in the role she was in and she was able to help other people or you know what? She wasn't concerned about her actual job. She's more worried about everything else and she didn't get what she needed to get done. And I mean, it's just not that that's not the way that I wanted to portray myself because the people who needed to know, they knew I wanted to work in recruiting, but I also wanted them to realize as well. Yes, I do want to work in recruiting. I want to help you guys out as much as humanly possible, but I'm still going to do a great job with the things that I need to do. And then, you know, we can go from there. It's what you said, be where your feet are. And I want to be in this role. Yes. But this is the work ethic that I'm establishing now that you can count on. It, it was hard for me at the beginning, um, just not being as involved with recruiting as much as I wanted to. Um, and, that involved a lot of calls with my dad who again i learned very quickly i can call him about certain things i can't call him about everything with what i do so <laughs> i mean just me like dad give me advice like what should i do and that's the one thing he kept telling me every single time do your job and then everything else is going to take care of itself and i mean we're in 2020 and i put i put my work and i put time in at South Carolina and I loved my time there. And it's definitely helped me get to 
me being at Georgia Tech where I am right now. There's a book I just read called Burn Your Goals. I don't know if you've heard of it. Josh Medcalf. I have. Chopwood carry water guy. Uh, it says, put first things first and the second things will follow. And that's exactly what you're talking about. You know, being where your feet are, you know, mastering the place that you're at right now. Is it at that point where you kind of made the full circle connection with, oh my gosh, like this is what my dad goes through on a day-to-day -day basis? Yes, especially me. So as a administrative assistant, a lot of the time I was just kind of at my desk and seeing coaches just walk around the office. They're going up to meetings. I, I'll see them maybe at 9 a.m. I don't see them again until 4.30 when I'm, ready, when I'm getting ready to leave. So being there every day, just watching and listening and just seeing really truly the day-to-day, the -day, I'm like, oh my gosh, he, they, sit, they spend so many hours in this one room watching so much tape, breaking down so much film, game planning, getting their guys ready. And on top of that, still recruiting at the highest level possible. Just, and I knew it before, but really being in it, just watching it, such a new appreciation for coaches and what they do on the day-to-day. Because -day. they're in the office 12, 13, 14 plus hours a day you know, and that's time away from their families. That's time away from, you know, other things and just seeing coaches being able to, you know, do their job as best as they can and putting in those hours. I mean, I am more than appreciative. And to, on the other hand, you know, that makes me want to work either just as hard or harder to make their lives on the recruiting end that much easier. Because the last thing that I want to do is, for, again, for me to give them something and there's 18 questions about it, then I have to go back. And now we're just wasting time. So if I can give a coach all the information on a kid, or if I can, you know, completely handle something on the front end, whereas all they need to worry about is that kid getting on campus and having their meeting with them or whatever it is, I mean, th that's huge for me, just on the on-campus side, even on the academic side as well. Because that's also a big, that's also a big thing that I do as well, making sure that, you know, they've applied to school when we get to that point. Um, they're applying for school, they're applying for housing. Um, we're getting those test scores and those transcripts, all of those things that are important for them to actually you know, get enrolled and get on campus. If I can handle all that from my end without the coaches needing to worry about it, I mean, that, that's a win for me. And again, just a lot of my job is just making the coach's job easier on the recruiting end. And that's something I do try, I try to do every day. That's why it's called the support staff role. Because at the end of the day, like that's the biggest difference. I mean, we, we are there to make sure that these guys can, can work effectively because they got to do so much. And you talked about uh, on, on Sunday the other day when we talked how challenging it is right now for the onboarding process. How wild of a, of a year is it for the class of 2020? Oh my gosh. I'm, I, I hate that we're going through this COVID um, thing right now, but when, it, when everything shut down, luck, luckily for me, 
all of our guys had already been accepted. You know, all of their stuff was already in. So it's more so for me, just, you know, cleaning up the little things. So doing the NCAA, you know, amateurism stuff, it's making sure we get those final transcripts in. It's making sure we get those official test scores in. So things like that, that I don't ne that we don't necessarily need to call the school for, because again, schools are all closed. So just be with the 2020 class, most of it was done, I guess, but just kind of cleaning up the little, the little pieces. Now, I think what will be challenging is going to be for the 2021 class, depending on when things start opening up again, because even right now, I mean, I don't know when I'm starting to try to get, you know, official transcripts, like the six semester transcripts. And again, it's really, it's summer now. So schools are closed, kids might not have them. And then of course, taking the ACT and the SAT, there are so many kids who were supposed to take it in April, March, May, June, whatever it was, and everything's canceled now. So really waiting a little bit longer for them to actually take those scores, take those tests rather, um, get those scores back in, kind of speeding up that process that way. Because typically I'll start, for me with a class, I'll start in August, for example, with our commits. I'll start getting, you know, those six semester transcripts. Um, I'll start getting test scores, all of those kinds of things. So that way I have it. And then if they keep retaking it, cool, we'll just add it to your file. But now a lot of kids, they just don't have those test scores right now. So it's hard for me to really, you know, start the application process or really for them to start the application process because we need those test scores. We need those transcripts. So it'll be interesting to see with the 2021 class, you know, how everything kind of shakes out. Um, not only like the admissions side of it, I think, I think that'll handle itself, but it might not be as early as we want it to. Um, but yeah. also to, um, just the signing, the signing part of it as well, whether it's the early signing period or it's the regular signing period, wherever it is, I think this 2021 class, they've already been through, you know, a lot already. So it'll be interesting to see as we move forward, especially with football looking to start up again, um, how their, how their recruiting processes are going to kind of pan out, especially just given if they can come on visits, if, and when, like for us, we should have had two official visit weekends by now for this 2021 class. So it, it'll be interesting to see moving forward with whatever the NCAA decides to do with the recruiting calendar. Um, how how much this is all really going to affect the 2021 class. And I think that's the biggest point to hit on is how impactful it will be for these 21s because they just lost spring eval period. A lot of times, you know, kids change body, body composition, physical ability in the classroom. Some cases, you know, guys, guys get better from their junior film to their junior spring. And that's when a lot of offers go out then mm -hmm. at the same time they're going and taking campus visits they're taking junior days they're going to, to get official visits at certain schools and then transitioning from there you go to summer camps and then from summer camps you've got you know friday night lights you've got another set of junior days and it goes dead for a little bit but then it transitions into game days which who knows what the process will look like from school to school we don't know because that's probably going to be in the hands of people way above my pay grade so my question 
to you is what, what do you tell kids going through the process right now on, you know, giving them some advice for making a decision because it's going to be difficult to, for a kid who has eight good offers, who has eight really good opportunities that kind of fall into the framework of what's important to him. How's he going to go see eight places in three months when he's trying to play his own season and, you know, finish out his senior year and, Maybe he hasn't taken the, the ACT or SAT. How do you prioritize schools when you don't have a chance to go visit them, especially now? I think first and foremost, it's really taking a look at what's important to you. Um, is it academics, which in a perfect world, you guess it is, but you know, it's not, that's not always the case. So whether it's academics, whether it's the support staff, whether it's, you know, can I get to the league, all those things, what's important to you, first and foremost. And then from there, you can kind of dwindle down your list as, okay, what's next? Is it football? Can I play early? All of those kinds of things. On my end, you know, again, I'm more so, let's get you on campus, let's show you around, but I can't do, we can't do that right now. So for recruits, I mean, just doing as much research and talking to as many people as you can. You know, that's, that's the nice thing about some of these new rules now. You, you can talk to pretty much anyone you would have talked to on an official visit, on an unofficial visit. So any questions, comments, concerns, anything like that, you know, you're able to ask those questions now. Is it the same as you physically being in Atlanta on our campus? Unfortunately not, but you can still talk to those people. You can still, you know, get all that same valuable information that you would need um, to, you know, make your decision. And then from there, I mean, it'll, it'll take care of itself. I think when, especially when we have kids on campus, especially moms and dads who they want to make sure that their kid is going to be safe. They want to make sure their kids are going to be taken care of. Even when they're on campus, you know, I tell them like, no questions a dumb question, ask all the questions you can possibly want. And just that's how you really not only get to learn about the campus, get to learn about the resources, the facilities, and really who, who you're going to be around every day. You know, can I go in your office and, you know, shoot the breeze? I hope I can, because I also want to go in there, if we're going to talk ball, if we're going to, you know, talk about real life stuff, because real life stuff is going to happen. And I think that's where, you know, the relationships are so crucial. You know, just being able to go to your coach. Hey coach, I have X, Y, Z going on. Can I talk to you about it? You know, just making sure those kids are comfortable being away from home. They're comfortable with the people they're around. So, I mean, for this 2021 class, I mean, obviously it's so completely different and it's, it's not ideal in any sense of the word, but being able to you know, really get to know some of these coaches, getting to know some of the support staff so much better um, because you can, you know, it, it doesn't, it takes nothing to pick up a phone and call or text or FaceTime or Zoom, you know, or, or whatever, you know, at the end of the day, when you're making your decision, you want to be confident in your decision and, you know, you don't want any lingering questions or any, you know, second thoughts about the place that you're going to be at. So taking that time to talk to, talk to anyone and everyone, take talking to anyone you think you can possibly be in contact with when you're at school. You know, I, I think that's, that's super important. And 
for me, that's kind of what I do. Like when I'm planning visits, like who are they going to talk to? Who are they going to be in contact with? Are they, we're going to get you with, you know, athletic training. We're going to get you with sports performance. We're going to get you with nutrition. We're going to get you with all those places because you're going to be talking to those people pretty much every day and just having an idea of who you're going to be around, what their philosophies are, well, who they are as people. I mean, that's huge in making your decision and you being comfortable with that decision. And having the foresight to know that it's not going to be Jersey photo shoots, you know, every single day, you need to know the people you're going to spend the most time with. I think that's, that's what I take away the most. And I'm, I'm with you when, when you're setting up a visit, like you need to have them around the pillars of your program. That's, you know, the training room, that's the strength room and it's your head coach. And if, if you aren't able to check off the boxes on that, and obviously they need to meet and be able to see what the academics actually looks like, because that's the building you're going to be doing study hall and you're going to be with your teammates, you know, studying like that's real life. Real life is not, you know, photo shoots and graphics and being on social media all day. So getting into topic of the week and what I wanted to talk about was just delivering the best experience possible because that's our job. Like our job is to show kids how we are going to help them achieve what they, what they are capable of, because it's not about us making you into a great player or a great person. We're just along for the journey. And from a big picture standpoint, what are the key differences between official and unofficial visits for parents that just may not know the big differences? Um, and not necessarily the fact that yes, one's paid for and one's not, but in terms of what you're experiencing and, and what the focus should be, uh, what are the, what are the key differences in your mind? For me, for between unofficial and official visits, a lot of your unofficial visits are going to be either on practice days or they're going to be on game days. So on either of those or even junior days. So when you have those kind of events, you know, it's really hard to get that one-on-one -on -one with the coach to get it, to get with head coach, you have your position coach or area coach or whoever it is. Now, are we going to have meetings with them? Of course, but it's, there's also X amount of other kids on campus that we also need to have meetings with as well. So I think with, between those two, with the official visit, I'm able to personalize it a lot better. You're able to spend a lot more individualized time with those important people, whether it's, you know, you're talking to, you know, a specific professor in whatever field of study you want to go into, um, whether it's specifically, you know, either seeing a classroom building on campus. Yeah, you can do that on an unofficial visit, but with an official visit, I feel like we can make it a lot more personal. We give you, you have a lot more time, individualized time with a lot of our coaches. And even, I mean, for me, official visits are so much fun because I can really think outside the box and I can really not only showcase just campus, but also the city as well, because everything's a lot of um, different places in Atlanta that are notable are within three or four miles of campus. So really seeing, you know, what does the kid want at, at the end of the day? Like, what does the kid want to see, whether it's official or unofficial? We can obviously, we can do a little bit more on an unofficial visit, 
Um, but you know, seeing what they what they want, who do they want to talk to? Who do they want to see? What do they want to learn more about? So with official visits, I'm able to kind of personalize it a little bit more that way, whether it's, you know, we'll have a certain food they like to eat for dinner, it's a certain restaurant they want to go to, or you know, what have you. So between official and unofficial, I'm I'm able to be a little bit more creative. And I I have I have a specific, I have a specified amount of time, but you know, I can move that time around to better suit the prospect and his family. If they're working on, you know, a specific time cruncher or whatever it is, you know, we can work around that. We can do everything that we need to do and, you know, have, make sure they have the best experience possible. Yeah. And, and the 30 mile radius rule is is awesome for us like in atlanta and houston because you can just go you know downtown wherever and maximize that experience of hey you're not just going to georgia tech you're you're living in atlanta you're not just going to rice you're going to live in houston and that's pretty cool and i think that's something that recruits have to keep in mind is am i cool with living in this place for four to five years because that's part of the deal um (laughs) So you talked about the differences in unofficial visits. You set this up perfect for me. Practice game day, junior day. You could throw summer camps in there, but there's so many levels to unofficial visits. Um, and there's, there's so much to unpack, but from a approach standpoint, how do you change the visit to make sure that you get the kid back on campus? Because it's always about, getting the number of visits up and making it a progression and how do I continually improve the experience for said recruit? How do you do that? And and what are the different levels to unofficial visits for recruits? For me, I, I try my hardest not to throw, you know, everything at the kid. You know, I don't want to do every single thing that we can think of his first time around. Cause that, that's not, that's not what, um, it's going to bring him back. Um, so we'll, of course, we'll go around the facility. We'll, we'll check out campus. We'll do, of course, the photo shoot, you know, we'll do all of those things, but really doing more of a deep dive into what else they want to see. You know, maybe the next time we'll do, we'll meet with, we'll meet with the strength staff, you know, we'll, we'll take you to the cool spots on campus where, you know, we didn't have time to go the first time. Um, we'll, you know, we'll get more specific and more meeting wise and, you know, more position specific or whatever it is that he's interested in. And that, that's what was nice about our 2020 class where I was able to really get to know most of our class, especially the local kids, you know, they're, they're coming back They're you know, they're still doing photo shoots. They're still doing you know, the position meetings and all of those kinds of things, but I'm able to, Hey, let's go. Let let me take you to this spot on campus. Let's go to like the student union or something, you know, let's, um, we'll show you around here. Um, I'll show you where all the guys go. We'll show you the dorms, you know, just kind of layering it where we'll keep them coming back for more. Now for the kids who might be a little farther, they're a little bit different because you don't know if, if they're going to come back. So if they're coming, you know, all the way across the country or whatever it is, you know, maybe you do kind of 
want to throw them back because you don't know if you're going to be able to get them back on. But at least for the guys who we have a good idea or a good sense that they can come back numerous times, I try to layer each visit where, okay, we're going to do this and then we can do this the next time. And it's kind of building on it. And the visits complete and change whether or not it the mom or dad or whoever else is there. So if it's just the kid, you know what? Maybe we might not do academics this time. But, you know, if mom and dad are here and, you know, they're super involved, you know what? We're going to have an in-depth academic meeting. We're going to talk through, you know, the layers of support and, you know, programs and all those kinds of things. So I think that, too, is another piece of it. You know, who, who is the kid coming with? Are they coming with mom? Are they coming with the coach? Are they, is it just the sister? Is it the brother? You know, we can kind of organize it that way where we can do these things the first visit and then you know if somebody else comes they haven't quite seen everything yet you know what we're going to do x y and z on this visit just so that way you know everyone knows everything about tech they know about campus um, they know everyone knows what to expect and then we can kind of you know start building from there and even still when they start coming on campus more they're more comfortable with you too. So they're willing to open up a little bit more. They yeah. might say something like, Hey, I want to, I did, I don't know. I went to this thing the other day. Okay, cool. We can, I can build on that and, you know, cater his next visit. Hey, I know you mentioned this last time we have this on campus. I really want to show you. So really just kind of building off of these visits um making sure that i'm not throwing every single thing at you because that's overwhelming in my opinion um but giving you enough where it's like you know what i'm interested i like the staff i like the city i like this campus i want to visit next time but maybe i'm going to bring my mom so she can see it as well so again it's really just building off of those visits and again with it's whether it's a whether it's a junior day an unofficial uh, sorry junior day or just a regular day where we have nothing going on. You know, it, it all, all of those factors kind of go into how we're gonna plan a visit, how much time we have, you know, what are our resources, what, what is everyone doing in the office for that day? Sometimes those, those visits, when you don't have spring ball, when you don't have practice, when you don't have a junior day, and it's just the kid and the mom and the dad, sometimes those are the best ones because there's no expectations, it's just quality conversation, quality time, and you get to know people. And I think that what, what I hear the most is that if you're actively listening during the recruiting process, these recruits will tell you what's important to them. And ultimately, like that's, that should shape your recruiting philosophy. It, it shouldn't be like, this is the way we do things and this is how we do it because we've always done it this way. It's no, every recruit's different. Yes, you got to have a, a structure and a flow and, and people need to be on point. But I mean, the big thing is making sure that you can, you know, be able to provide what's important to these kids. It's either going to be a fit or it's not. I, I, I'm big on that where there's enough schools in the country and there's enough players in the country to where I don't need to, you know, try to be something I'm not. And recruits shouldn't feel that way either. They shouldn't try to, you know, box themselves into, you know, something that they're not. So when it comes to, okay, so we talked about, you know, differences between official visits and unofficial visits and kind of more in depth on unofficial. When it comes to official visits, I know you're big on, hey, this is an opportunity for us to really 
be more personalized, be more individualized. But I wanted to ask you as somebody that I've only done spring visits for transfers and I've never gotten, I've never had a, a junior, you know, set of recruits come on OVs because I know that's, that's a big deal for, you know, UTs of the world, you guys, um, you know, probably more on the power five front is doing, you know, official visits at the end of their junior year. What's the difference in your approach when you're building out this itinerary and you're building out this weekend from, you know, the spring of junior year, those December, you know, in-season visits, and really those kind of break into two separate because a game day visit's much different than a December visit and a December visit's much different than a January. So how is your mind turned throughout the calendar year as far as mapping this out? So last year, so last May, we had two um, official visit weekends and just kind of how everything played out, we signed the majority of our 2020 class from those two um, official visit weekends. And like you said, just going from, you know, spring, summer OVs to December, January OVs or in-season OVs, they're all three completely different dynamics. So if I'm going with my summer OVs, I know I have a little bit more access to different venues, for example. Um, a lot of things that I need to consider are what's going on in the city at that point, especially over the summer, um, because Atlanta's hot over the summer in every sense of the word. There's, there's concerts, there's, there's festivals, there's all kinds of stuff going on. So I really needed to be mindful of what's really, what's happening in the city that day. So from there, I can really kind of map out, okay, we're going to, you know, hit these spots. We're going to do these certain things on campus. Because really the city in the summer, like the city's more lively. It's, it's busier, all that, but it's not as busy on campus. So I try to do like a good mix. So we'll do some things on campus that I know won't be too much of an issue, but I have to be a little bit more mindful if we're going to go out in the city and go to different venues. Um, then we get into season. I mean, that, that those are just completely different. Just it's the nature of the beast. You know, a lot of the kids, they won't, unless they have a bye that week, that particular weekend, we won't get them here until, you know, Saturday morning. So depending on what time kickoff is, that, that dictates everything. So if I get them here first thing in the morning, you know, are we going right to campus going right to you know are we going right to the game or do we have some time can we go to breakfast can we you know sit with the coaches if, if it's a night game for example so really kind of working around the kickoff time seeing how you know what what does that saturday look like because really truly that saturday they're, they're here for the game but what else what can we do that saturday to not only maximize their visit around the game, but also to make sure, you know, we see, we do everything possible that we need to see. Because sun, we come to Sunday, we're still kind of going to do the same thing. So we're going to still going to, you know, meet with the same people, but, you know, depending on what weekend it is, you know, we might have, a, we might have a home game the next week. So we're still cutting up film from, from Saturday. We're still, 
you're starting to game plan the next day, you still have meetings and those kinds of things. Recruiting is always the priority. However, we still have, you know, a ton of other things going on. So in the season, it's definitely a little more time crunch and it has to really be strategic in how we plan things from beginning to end. And then even in December and January, um, I think with those, for us in particular, especially with that early sign, with the early signing period, again, we signed most of those guys that took their visits over the summer. So our December and January visits truthfully weren't as big as our summer visits because we had knocked out most, most of our visits in the spring, summer, and even during the season. So we get to December, I think we maybe had a handful of guys. Um, and then even in January, which is completely different, you know, a couple of years ago, I'm used to being super stressed out in December and January, because you're having so many kids on campus and this is your one and only shot. But this time around, you know, we pretty much had, you know, everyone signed. So we did still have official visits. You know, we still had those guys that we did want to close in on late. Um, and I, I would say those aren't too much different from the spring summer visits. The only difference is there, there weren't as many. And then, I mean, I guess, yeah, it wasn't as many. So it wasn't as much of, you know, hey, at the beginning stages, we're building this class over the summer and all of those kinds of things. At the end, it's, you know, we're really going to close. We're really going to, you know, hone in on these last few key pieces, which we were lucky enough to do with this life, with, um, with one of the last guys we signed in the 2020 class. Um, we were able to hold on to him, which was, which was incredible for us, but really being able to close in January for that for um, signing day in February, so it's it's definitely different, really between the three time periods. Um, my mind, it's it's a little, for me, it's a little bit different. My mindset where spring and summer, I know we're gonna have so many kids in. You know, I'm ready for it. Let's go. It's whether it's 15 kids for one weekend, which, which we've done, and it, it, it was awesome. Um, or whether it's, you know, over the season, we might have one or two kids in. So, you know, a lot of what we do is going to be based around camp. It's going to be based around the facility, based around the game or what have you. And then we get to December, January, where it's, I have a little bit more flexibility now with time and I can do a little bit more, um, but it's still, you know, that urgent, you know, let's close, let's get these guys signed and, yeah, let's just make this the best visit possible. And the flexibility about those those kind of one-offs where you got one or two pieces missing and you might have three people on that, say January 10th through whatever, whatever that weekend is in January. Um, talk about just all the different things that could, could go on during that time because now you're into it's, it's quiet period again, it's contact period. And with the way the recruiting cycle has sped up so much, I mean, you're already on all of your underclassmen, you're already on the juniors for that next crop. And that class is probably starting to come together. 
have you have you packaged a junior day with a smaller official visit before um thankfully the first time i ever had to do this was at houston and we only had one person on a visit so it was really easy so you just you, know, you have an suv and you have somebody that's assigned to them and you know you have your crossover and things that you would have seen anyways you just map it out to where they join the group and they can see all the other players you're recruiting but i'm just curious to see how how, how you've approached it because we're kind of in the same boat as far as everybody can get to campus. Uh, you're, you're in a hotbed. So going back to the first part, we did, we, it wasn't a true, you know, high school official visit. So there was one weekend in January, we had a big junior day, um, but we had one official visit and it, it was a grad transfer. Mm -hmm. So just in nature with me, grad transfers, they're they're not easy they're not easier official visits they're simpler yes in the, in the sense that they don't want you know the dog and pony show they don't need to do the full-on photo shoot they don't need to you know do all those other things they don't need to see the the entire city you know really they want to sit down they want to make sure you know if their acad our academics sign up with theirs you know can we transfer whatever credits or can i get into this grad program and then they just want to talk ball so in that end for grad transfers that official visit was again not easier it was just simpler because i already knew you know he's going to be spending way much more time with the position coach than he's going to spend with anybody else because that's really that's what it kind of boiled down to you know i already have my bachelor's degree working on my master's football wise what can i do for you and what can you do for me yep. i think so we so that was the one weekend in january we did that so i'm over here you know handling our junior day with i think we have maybe over 100 kids come in for that junior day and at the same time you know i'm checking with um our recruiting assistant or our ga or whoever it was on the official visit hey y'all good what, what what can i help with can i help you set up so i'm really kind of doing double time in that sense um but so we've done that and then we've also done on official visit weekends you know we'll have if the time is correct you know we'll have underclassmen come on canvas as well for unofficial visits so we're, we were able to kind of spread um, kind of spread our staff out where hey so we're gonna have X amount of people with the official visits, whether it was, it was probably either one or two. So it wasn't a huge official visit weekend. So we'll have, you know, one or two staff members with the official visit. And then, you know, everyone else, all hands on deck, because we have a group of however many underclassmen that are coming on campus. And we still have to do, the, you know, the same routine that we do for a regular unofficial visit. So we're going to go around the facility. We're going to go, um, we're going to go around campus and all of those things. It's so many little things under that that you have to make sure that are done. You know, whether it's something like charging up a golf cart, whether it's making sure doors are open, are the TVs on, you know, all those little things like that, making sure that we have all these different things going on campus, whether all these different visits, but the quality of these visits aren't going to diminish because there's just because there's a ton of stuff going on. You know, we're going to do everything to the highest level to our standard. And you know we're we're gonna get it done. Before we get to the final send off question, 
what's your checklist look like? Because there's so many things that go into, you know, whether it's a game day or junior day or just a regular unofficial visit um, from the logging it in, in your database with compliance so that you can call them 24 hours ahead of time from the face sheet, you know, supplied to the staff so that people know who, you know, mom is, who, who's coming with them, what he's about, what's important to him, to obviously you've got to present to the staff at some point of what's the itinerary, what's happening, because you're going to get asked from 10,000 different people the same question in, in different ways. It's, it's our job. But what is your process the minute you know a kid is coming on campus to the time that he's actually there? What are all the things that go into your job? Because I don't think people realize, I think people kind of, uh, uh, you know, just say, oh, okay, yeah, you know, you call a couple of people, you schedule some things out, throw it on itinerary, and you're good to go. But there's so many levels to, like, I, I really look at it as a checklist. So what does yes. your checklist look like? Well, just from the whole check checklist piece, you know, I can't function without one. You know, whether it's a game day, a junior day, especially official visits, because for me, I need to see, hey, this is what I've done. This is the date that I did it. So that way I can go back, you know, just in case I need to look for something. This is where this is. So when I'm planning recruiting that, I need my checklist, like no question, you know, that, that just helps me, that helps keep me organized. So I guess my process between unofficial, depending on what type it is, and official visit, they're, they're pretty much the same, but they're a little bit different. Um, so if we're having a junior day, for example, um, game days, everyone knows when those dates are gonna be. So it's not me necessarily you know, going to every specific person saying, hey, we're going to have, you know, this, this day, because every we, we know that we're going to have a junior day this day, or we're gonna have a ton of kids on campus this day. Um, but for those lone unofficial visits, whether it's like a practice or something like that, we, every night, you know, updated in real time, we're creating that list. Here, here are the kids that are coming to practice. Here, here are the kids that are just coming on an unofficial visit you know, with all of the information on it. And I mean, I don't do this all myself. You know, we have an incredible recruiting staff starting at the top with our general manager, um, Patrick Suttis, who's been in the game. You know, he's done an incredible job everywhere he's went. Um, and then we have our two um, associate directors of player personnel, and they really help on this end of it too, kind of cultivating that list of who all is coming. Um, Thomas Gary and Mike Gregory, they're really on, you know, making the face sheets, making the lists, you know, putting in the heights and weights of these guys. So everything, or in, I'll help with, you know, the guests and things like that. So everything that a coach would need to know about this kid that's coming is on this one concise sheet that, you know, all of us pour into. And then the recruiting guys go and, you know, clean it up presented to the coaches and, you know, make it that way. Um, but for unofficial visits, really, like, I guess, let's go with like normal unofficial visits. So if there's nothing going on, it's not a game, it's not a junior day. Really the first thing I do, I mean, I'm talking to the coaches, hey, what, I have my vision of a plan of attack. What do you think this kid wants to see? Because a lot of the time, I'm not the, I'm not the first person talking to this kid. It's the coaches. They already have that relationship. So I'm going to the coaches, hey, what, 
all do you think we need to do with this kid? Because I have my ideas. I just want to make sure, you know, our ideas line up if I need to include something or whatever. So we'll have that talk. And then immediately from there, it's it, obviously it's never this easy, but I'm calling, texting whoever I need to text. Hey, we're having so-and-so on campus tomorrow. I'm building an itinerary. You know, when are you free to, you know, meet with this kid and his family? And really, it is, I just kind of go from there. And I've started getting in a habit where I'm texting out the attendees list or the um, or the unofficial visit list, you know, pretty much every night. Hey, here's the guys that are coming on campus. Um, here are the people who, you know, here's our rough plan of attack when this, when this kid is coming on campus with his family or whoever he's coming with. So from there, you know, we'll go over in a staff meeting the next day, whatever time that is. And then everyone pretty much knows, you know, how the day is gonna proceed. Now, does, any, does anything ever go to plan? Of course not, um, but we, we're able to, you know, God forbid something happens. Um, we're able to really innovate and improvise and, you know, act like nothing, nothing's wrong. You know what I mean? Like it's, and that's something that I learned in college. So I think my favorite recruiting story ever, I was in my last semester of grad school and the way the University of Florida's campus is, there's one, there's a big lake on campus and they're at their real life alligators in that lake. So I'm on a golf Love cart it. and I'm taking, around a golf cart, I'm taking, I wanna say it was Jeremiah Moon out of Hoover, Alabama. I'm taking him and his family around campus. Well, we're starting to go up a hill and I'm noticing the golf cart is slowing down like alarmingly fast. I'm like, oh no, oh no. Eventually it died. And I'm like, oh my God, what do I do? I'm in charge of you know, this kid and his family. It's their first time here and my golf cart dies. Like, what do I do? So I'm frantic. I'm calling one of our GAs. Hey, I need you to either bring another golf cart or you need to pick us up or, or something because this, this isn't good. So luckily for me, we ended up right in front of that lake. So I'm like, oh, this is great. You know, while we wait, we're, we're just going to walk around the lake and, you know, there's a little church right here. People get married here, all this other stuff. So we're walking around just, you know, and even still like, they're asking questions like, oh, oh, this is great, you know, whatever. And lo and behold, there's a nice medium-sized alligator just kind of staring up at us from the lake. And mom and dad are like, oh my gosh, just, I didn't know there were alligators in here. I'm like, oh yeah, they're real. Like, you know, the whole nine. And me just kind of talking through just my campus experiences and how my dorm was, you know, a hundred yards this way and all those kinds of things, just as if this was supposed to happen. You know, and eventually the, the, um, one of our GAs comes in, picks us up on a golf cart and we, you know, continue the tour and go back to the facility and kind of proceeding as usual. But I think it was that instance where I actually learned firsthand, like, okay, you know, not everything is going to go to plan. Things are going to happen, but it's how you deal with it, how you deal with it and learn from it. That's how it makes you better. And to this day, I mean, he's still, Jeremiah, I mean, he's still one of my favorite kids 
that I've recruited just because just he's so just a nice kid, personable. I talking to him to this day. You know, yeah. And that was what, five years ago? Oh my God, that was five years ago. <laughs> but it you know, just fast. being able to, oh my God, yeah. And being able to just, you know, build that relationship with him and even with his parents too. I mean, that's, but that was just a quick side note. But, well, no, and, and, and it's, <laughs> it, it's like, you know, ducks on a pond, you know, like you're, you're sitting and floating on the water, right? But your legs are kicking like crazy to make sure that, you know, the kid has no idea the lengths that you're going to adapt and improvise. And you have to keep that face of, no, oh, this is just part, this is just another day. And I just wanted and, to show you the lake. It's fine. Yeah, I just wanted to show you the lake. <laughs> and so, golly, my first experience with uh, an official visitor, I was not involved with the, I was not supposed to be involved with the visit. I was a recruiting intern. I was making no money. I was learning the ropes. This is right when I got to Houston and we had Ralph Harvey on and it was a, a late, late signing. I mean, you're talking like April. I mean, we are at the tail end of, yeah, very, very late. And uh, at the last minute, something happened in the program. I think it was, it was during, had to have been during spring ball. Somebody must've gotten hurt and they called a staff meeting to talk about it. And my boss, the director of recruiting, Adrian Mays was supposed to be with Ralph on a campus tour. I don't know campus. I got there a week before that. And I'm just sitting, just cutting up film and just enjoying life. And he's like, hey, I need you to jump on a golf cart and take, you know, Ralph through campus. I was like, bro, like, I don't know this place. And he's like, cool. Well, you have Google Maps on your phone. And uh, yeah, staff meeting starting in two minutes. I got to go. Here's the golf cart keys. I was like, oh, okay. And then Ralph kind of walks, you know, wanders in the room. Hey, what's up, bro? And so <laughs> it, it was the most, you know, all right. Uh, yeah, I really don't know this. So I'm going to be honest with you. Like, let's just, we can learn campus together. And the minute we got into the middle of campus, same thing, just dive. <laughs> so we walk back from the middle of campus and it's April and it's like 98 degrees, you know, heat Ooh. index of like 104. Ralph's wearing a white t-shirt, just soaked. I mean, soaked oh, in sweat. Oh, no. Walk, walk into the facility, and we sit down in the main lobby area. I'm, I'm soaking wet through sweat. And I'm like, man, you want some water? So we're drinking water. Just It's just him and me. And it, honestly, like, we were able to really connect and just talk. And uh, he's like, are you serious? I gave you one job, and you couldn't do it? it he didn't say that in front of the recruit. <laughs> he said that to the side. But it kind of goes back to, you know, you just got to, you got to roll with the punches sometimes. And at the end of the day, this gives you an opportunity to learn and get better because, hey, I should have made sure I charged that golf cart. I should have made sure that my assistant charged, charged that because at any point in time for you or for me, you know, when you're out of school that's located regionally, anybody can show up on campus. And right. our approach was always Every day is a junior day. Like we, we don't need to have a, a 200, 250 person junior day to, to have that experience. We need to be prepared to deliver that whenever, you know, hey, Andrew Luck could show up on campus tomorrow. Are we ready for that? And that was something that Tom always talked about. He's probably said that on a million different shows and interviews where they were at Rice and Andrew Luck went to Stratford. He's a Houston guy. And his dad said, hey, Rice has the degree plan we want. Let's go see what they have. And so they were about to call him and dad said, no, 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 let's just show up. And 
they weren't ready. So always got to be ready. Karina, this was great. What is your last send off word of advice to recruits, parents, and coaches? To recruits, I would say you only get this process once. Visit as many schools as you can, learn as much as you can, um, because you don't want to make a decision based on the superficial things. You want to make your decision based on who am I going to be around every day? Who, who are the people that I'm going to be in contact with? Who's going to help me get better, not only as a person, but as a young man? You know, where, what university or institution am I going to leave? And, you know, I have this great education and I'm also ready to go out into the real world. For parents, um, I would say be involved and have fun with the process with your kid. For me, watching my mom and dad go with Vernon on his visits, you know, my mom went to, went on the West Coast with him and did all those West Coast schools. They went to the USC's of the world, the Oregon's, the Stanford's. Um, they went there and then my dad took over the East Coast. So they went to the, they did the SEC belts and ACC schools. So really, you know, parents being involved with their kids and learning and knowing who their kid is gonna be around, I think is huge. And then for high school coaches, I mean, just keep doing what you're doing. I mean, we appreciate you guys more than you know, you know, because they help us out a lot too, just whether it's bringing kids on campus, whether it's, you know, giving us guys to watch. Um, and even with me, I mean, I'm obviously not super involved in cutting up tape and doing those kinds of things, but when they do come on campus and they do bring their high school kids in, it's nice to, to be able to see a coach when, they're, when their kids are checking in on game day. You know, I can talk to the coach for five, five or six minutes just real quick, you know, hey coach, just kind of, you know, just have just a genuine conversation with him. Again, building those connections. Yeah. Well, this was great. Where can our listeners go follow you and, uh, and, and follow everything that's going on at Georgia Tech? Absolutely. Uh, my Twitter is Karina H underscore GT. And that's C-A-R-I-N-A-H underscore G-T. Cause I know I have a rough name to spell. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, again, it, this has been a pleasure and, uh, you know, at some point we definitely have to have you back on and best of luck the rest of the way. And hopefully we get back on the field here soon. Absolutely. I appreciate you having me.